MYP fam, good morning or good afternoon or or good evening. Whenever you are listening to this, I want to thank you for spending some time with me today and some time with us. Today's episode is another interview with someone who is quickly taking the podcast industry, I don't want to say by storm, but the clouds are brewing. And this guy is someone who I have been watching really closely and have been admiring because of the value that this guy has been bringing. And I actually had to get up early and record this interview because that's typically when I'm at my best. But Ashley is someone who I wanted to have on the show so bad that I was willing to schedule him my first meeting in the morning because he's on the other side of the pond in the UK. And we wanted to make this interview happen. So despite the time difference, we found a way to make it happen. And we talked all things podcasting. We talked about audience development. We talked about content creation, repurposing, marketing, show. I mean, literally, we covered so many things. And I think that he's someone who's going to have to come back on for a second episode. So I've talked too much already. Get your notebooks ready, as always. Listen on half speed, double speed, whatever you got to do. But let's get into today's episode with Mr. Ashley Morris. MYP fam, I want you guys to welcome Mr. Ashley Morris to the show. Ashley, thanks for hanging out with us, man. No problem at all, Hector. Good to be here. We are recording this, and years ago, people would think that we were wizards or magicians having this conversation as we are, right? Ashley's sitting across the pond in the UK. I'm here in Southern California. He's headed home on a Friday night. My Friday is just getting more started. But what a beautiful thing that we're able to have these conversations in a time like today. Great, isn't it? So there's so much these days you can do, which is not even fathomable all those years ago. (laughs) I don't know that they talk about the printing press, right, as like these hallmark kind of parts of evolution or human history that really sparked education or the enlightenment or whatever. I really think that people are going to look back at podcasting and we're not really seeing the true impacts of podcasting. We won't see that for the next hundreds of years when we look back and go, look at all of the conversations, all of the insights, everything that was learned and gleaned and gained from these conversations that were happening. I mean, we would never be talking even 50 years ago, right? Even if it's just because we're on the different sides of a border, right? And so I'd love to get, we're kind of taking it kind of deep and existential here, but but you've been someone who's jumped into the podcasting scene recently and someone who's really, I mean, you guys are kind of taking over the UK scene. There's something with the UK and podcasts, like they just love love it. I don't know what it is, but you guys over the last year, you have a a huge production house. You've got a whole team, you've got a studio. So if you could, I'd love for you to kind of catch us up on like how you got here and and a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, sure thing. Well, first of all, what you were saying a minute ago about bringing people together, etc. Podcasting is so collaborative. It's what makes it so unique. It's not like other forms of media, but forms of media where it's almost competitive. Every podcast is so collaborative. It's great. But yeah, about us. So we're progressive media. About six years ago, our co-founder, Rob Moore, who's a serial entrepreneur in the UK here, multi-millionaire, decamillionaire, I believe, basically started the podcast to promote his own brand alongside a guy called Tom, who is the other co-founder and still it basically runs the show now for us. They started an entrepreneur, a podcast called The Disruptive Entrepreneur, and it really took off, really done well. And then a lot of Rob's friends also within the entrepreneurship space, we done the same for him. And then it just kind of became an agency from there where we now work with, at the moment, around about 100, 110 weekly shows where we produce everything for them. But what kind of makes us a little bit different? Well, first of all, I think we were the first one in the UK, but definitely the biggest now. But we've come from rather than a media background as such, we've come from the entrepreneurship background. We're born off of a company which is based around courses and training. A bit of a different perspective. We work with all of our clients, all of our podcasters with the aim of be it grow their brand, make money, build their business. A large focus for us is all 
kind of money in some way, shape or form. And that's with everyone we work with. And that's what our kind of our USP, if you like, makes us a little bit different. Perhaps that's maybe why I was drawn to you. It seems like there's this divide in the podcasting community and for simplicity's sake, we'll call it the artists and the capitalists, right? There are the people who are very much into the art. And for those people, making money is almost seen as like a negative or a bad thing or some sort of negative. Whereas on the other side, the business people, right? And I'm much more of this part as well, where the show is a means to an end. The show is the marketing tool. It's part of the funnel. And I think that's why I was just so drawn to what you guys do. When it comes to within that, you guys said that you guys are kind of focused on building a brand, making money, you know, so there is some sort of growth factor. How does that translate into the shows? Like with that kind of ethos, what do you guys make sure you're putting into the shows or what are you talking with your host to include? Or like, how does that actually translate or play out in the production and the creation of the shows? So a large focus for us is not necessarily, and I talk about it quite a lot on LinkedIn, I quote it probably way too often, but us focusing on the who rather than the how many when it comes to your audience. So we have a lot of podcasts, really specific niches like health and safety or mining. When you can have an audience in a specific niche, the numbers aren't so relevant as if you have it as a marketing tool, if you have a product to offer, being within that specific niche. And if you could be like the leader of that niche, even better, that's where the most money is made is when you build an audience who are much higher value than just your generalized kind of casual listener if you know what i mean so we focus a lot on who is your podcast for when i speak to potential clients one of my first questions is always who's going to listen to your podcast where and then when you go into marketing it's where do you find those people then when you go to what you offer it's what do those people want it's all around that ideal listener I'd love to get your thoughts on defining this audience, right? And whether you are just taking the people who you listen to or whether you really kind of craft an ideal listener and kind of go out and seek for those. But what's interesting to your point, I wanted to share with the listeners is we just had a client. I don't recommend this, but to your point about specificity and having a clear audience and stuff, she hasn't published in a little while, quite some time. And she's frankly only averaging like 50 downloads an episode, but she just signed her first $500 a month sponsor plus like commissions and stuff like that on top of it. And it only came because of her show is like super specific in a very narrow niche of wellness that on the other side of it, to your point, the people that are listening, they could be worth five, 10, 15, 20, $25,000 to those, you know, to those doctors, to the programs and stuff on the other side of it. And so there's strength in, in smaller numbers there. But I'm curious when it comes to audience and picking audience, I found that a lot of our clients, they have this idea of who they want to listen to their show but then who's actually listening to it? Oftentimes some disconnect. So how do you merge those two? Do you focus on one and not the other? Or how do you reconcile that kind of situation? I feel like it's a case of you've got to kind of guess it. And in that sense, you've got to be like, well, I think these are the people that can listen. But then if you find out through your podcast, actually it's a different demographic, then you can start to slightly change your approach as such. I look at the first podcast we've done, which was Rob Moore, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, an entrepreneurship-based podcast, but disruptive people. And then he really grew his podcast and started to go, actually, it doesn't need to be entrepreneurs anymore. It's just disruptors. He interviewed Floyd Mayweather. He interviewed Caitlyn Jenner. So some really big names and people who are disruptive nature in some way, shape or form. These kind of people, and that's how his podcast has expanded, but it started quite niche. So I feel like trial and error is a big thing with podcasting. If you start with something and it slowly goes towards another type of audience, then just adapt it. Yeah, I think what you talk about in terms of starting somewhere and then there's something to going narrow and going deep and then widening it out. I think a lot of people, they try and go wide at first and it ends up being too vanilla as opposed to creating someone for a specific type of person 
And then what's interesting is when you create a show for one type of person, there are other types of people who enjoy that. And now you can start to kind of branch off into those. And so I think that's kind of a little bit what you're saying. Absolutely spot on. You said something going deep rather than wide. I spoke to someone I met on LinkedIn, Paul Zelizer, a while back. I'm not sure if you've come across his profile, but he's got a very successful podcast himself. And it's a quote of his essentially where he's like, go deep into this one audience, find what he calls eco leaders, the ecosystems are such the really high value listeners get those guys to listen get those guys to share it and just focus on who your listener is rather than being trying to do everything he doesn't do any video content at all on his podcast it's audio only but i'm sure he makes well into six figures from it just from having a specific audience who are way more valuable to him it's one thing that i've really enjoyed about just following along your content is you guys are very adaptive it seems like cutting edge is also seems like behind almost because they're not the first movers if you will but you guys seem to be up on trends and things that are really moving the industry today what are some things that you're thinking about that shows like should be doing or shows like if they're not doing this they're missing out on a big opportunity is there anything that comes to mind like that depends which way you look at it if you're talking marketing something that we think a lot of people don't realize the benefit of it is being a guest. Being a guest is probably more valuable than having a guest. If you've got the option to be a guest on someone that's got a big profile or have them as guests on your show, always be a guest because it's an audience you can get in front of. I think in the US, it's about 40% of people listen to podcasts. So if you say advertise on Facebook, you'll get 40% of those or 60% of those are irrelevant because they're not podcast listeners. Whereas if you're advertising by being on another podcast, 100% of those people are podcast listeners. So from a marketing point of view, that's something. And this kind of contradicts what I was just talking about with Paul and not doing video, but video is one of the biggest things. We were talking about it on our podcast the other day, going into 2023, what things are going to be different in terms of advice that weren't necessarily the case in 2022. And video is one of them. It seems like it's becoming a bit of a must for most podcasts, not all podcasts, but with the short form stuff, with the clips, it appeals to a different audience, especially if you're using podcast as a marketing tool for a product. Say you're a coach of some sort, a business coach. The sort of audience you'll get in front of with video will be different to the audio audience. So it, it does broaden that aspect of it. So I think video in general is a big part of it. When you're talking marketing only, getting in front of other audiences, we found to be really an underappreciated way of growing a podcast. Yeah. And this goes back to this, this artist capitalist kind of thing. Because for me, I'm like, all right, where are the people? Where are the eyeballs? And that's where I'm going to go, right? It's like, you know, for me, I'm not romantic about the medium. And I started out in live streaming. I built a YouTube channel. I had a Facebook group. And so I was just trying to find my audience is kind of what it was. And so for me, the next evolution of podcasting says, you know, it's video. It's not fantastic because it's expensive. It's time consuming. There's all these other things that come along with it. But I'm not afraid of making that change where I think a lot of podcasters, they spent so much time learning this thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. And actually, I've got to do video now. And I think that's why they're hesitant to it. Not because they don't think it's a good idea, but because it's so much damn work that it's going to take. No, 100%. And that's where we're fortunate enough that we have, I mean, first of all, yeah, oh, we have to do video now. And then when you're on the video channels, they're forever changing. So we're fortunate if we have in-house guys for YouTube and at TikTok, and we have connections. So we keep up to date with the algorithms, but every month it's like, oh, this doesn't work anymore. You've got to do it this way now. It's a space that's constantly evolving. You've got to think podcasting now isn't as big as a lot of people think it is. It's going to be changing lots and lots over the next however many years, because I saw a statistic, which I've reposted a few times, that less than 4% of podcasts, I think it's on Spotify, less than 4% of podcasts on Spotify have uploaded in the last 10 days 
days and have more than 10 episodes. So you're talking at 90, over well over 90% of podcasts are dead, essentially, because I think a large part of it is people don't realize how much is involved. But what that means is it's still a much smaller space than people realize. It's still at the beginning. It's still where YouTube was about 10 years ago. It's going to keep changing, keep evolving. You're not going to be able to stay behind in the times. If you think YouTube, if you were uploading a 2010 style YouTube video now, compared to a 2022 style YouTube video, it's not going to perform anywhere near the same. I think it's just going to keep changing and changing. It's, it's important to try and stay on top of it. Are there any mistakes or any, like, for example, one of the things that I see a lot of podcasts do is they go, oh, well, yeah, we do YouTube. We put a picture. I saw someone even made like a fancy name for putting a picture over the video. I don't remember what it was called, but I thought it was cute. But they do that and they're thinking that that's going to work. And so that's one example of like, well, that's doing it, but that's doing it maybe incorrectly or doing something that's not going to yield the results. Are there other mistakes that you see people, specifically podcasts, making when it comes to utilizing video to grow their show? Yeah. Well, firstly, video is one of those things. Don't do it unless you can do it properly. If you're struggling just to do audio and you're just about doing a little bit of video and a bit of everything and doing nothing properly, that's not as good as just going, like Paul would say, deep and on the audio and just getting that right. But if you can do video, we found that the full length stuff doesn't work as well as say 10 minute excerpts, 10 minutes clips from longer podcasts on a specific question or a specific topic. Those seem to work better, we found. Yeah, I think people just recording their podcast with their normal podcast intro and then just uploading that to YouTube it's a different platform. It's an active listening platform still. You can't expect people to listen passively the same way they do on a podcast platform because if they're listening to a podcast on YouTube, they're probably sitting there watching it and doing nothing else. Whereas an audio version, you can drive a car, you can shower, make dinner, whatever it is, whilst it's playing. How does that play out practically though? Because I think that's a, such a great point that I realize, but then I don't necessarily know, okay, how do I utilize that information? What do I do on the videos to keep them engaged or not? Or are there ways that we can increase that? Yeah. So for me, I'm thinking back to a conversation. I had a pretty in-depth conversation with our YouTube guy a while ago. And he was saying to me, it was one of our episodes we recorded actually about making it suit the YouTube platform. So look at how YouTube videos are. He said something in the algorithm of YouTube about 30 seconds. Once you hit the 30 seconds point, the retention after that, I don't know exactly what it is, but YouTube will basically reward you for the more people that watch 30 seconds of video. So he's like, the first 30 seconds should be sharp clips from the middle of your podcast. The little clips that you might put on TikTok, those bits that are eye-catching, that should be at the start to get people's attention and then your intro starts after 30 seconds so you go all these kind of like Stephen Bartlett does on his on Diary of CEO but all the eye-catching stuff at the start followed by then your intro which needs to be sharper than it is on a podcast app and then you get into the podcast and if you've got multiple camera angles even better can swap between the two it's an active listening platform so just making sure there's always something happening multiple camera angles 30 seconds of eye-catching um I forgot the other word I'm looking for but uh, engaging clips as such at the start that's really going to turn your attention to watch the rest of the video. That's fascinating. Super tactical. And, you know, you always think about or like, okay, so that makes sense, right? We got to keep them engaged. But then it just now it seems simple, right? We, we're already taking these short clips. We're already kind of producing these shorts. So we just throw those out the middle. And what I've tried to harp to people is that, yeah, you have to treat it differently. Just like you would post differently on Instagram to LinkedIn. It's got to be different for your podcast. It's a different audience. So at the end of the day, the people that sit there and listen to our long podcasts aren't the same people that consume podcasts on TikTok, probably. You've got to adapt your content to who it's for. That's why with our TikTok clips, we do as well. Super snappy captions, completely different to the YouTube, which is completely different to the podcast. So yeah, it's important to be adaptive. Is there anything other than video that you think is a white space to play in? I found that a lot of people listening to the show are independent podcasters or 
solo or they're just not the iHearts or whatever, right? They have to find kind of these arbitrage ways to get exposure. They don't have the big budgets to go out and pay mm-hmm. Apple or to get on some of these host red stuff. So are there any other things other than video? Is there any other things that you guys think are maybe some ninja tactics that people aren't utilizing to the fullest? Absolutely. I think it's launch related, but you can also do it after you launch. But in a pre-launch, before we have a whole kind of six-step process, but simply if you can offer something for that first episode or when you go live, we believe you should go live with about eight episodes. But when you go live, if you can have some sort of incentive, especially it works really well if you're a coach or something, which you can offer maybe a one-to-one session, but incentive to people to listen in that first 24 hours. We know the podcast charts, especially on Apple, are a bit broken, but they work on a percentage increase basis. So if you go from zero listeners to 200, you're probably going to be higher than the charts and someone who goes from 5,000 listeners to 5,500. To get people in the charts, we encourage them to have an incentive when you launch of some sort to get people to listen. And then it's down to marketing, the biggest marketing push you can do beforehand, getting in communities that are relevant to you, doing polls on LinkedIn. So I spoke with one of our clients today who's going to be launching probably in a month or so's time, but he hasn't started recording his episodes yet. And I said, one thing you can do before is he's got quite a LinkedIn following. So I was like, post your LinkedIn a poll saying, oh, if I was to do a podcast on blah, 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 would you guys listen to it? Do is it a poll? Yes, maybe no. Everyone who says yes and maybe, if he gets 100 votes, then when it comes to the time of launch, he can DM every single one of those people. Be like, hey, you said you want to listen to this podcast. I've just released it. Check it out. If half of those do it, that's 50 listeners. It's, it's the little things that people overlook. Being personal on social media platforms, having conversations with people, getting in communities. The first few interviews, if they could be with people with a good social profile that you know will share it, brilliant. So then on the launch day, they can share it. But you can do a lot on your launch and you can repeat it by doing a relaunch. It's something we're going to be doing soon where you just do the same thing again. Maybe it's a year anniversary. That's what it is for us. Where you go, right, we're relaunching in two weeks' time. We're going to offer something for us. It will probably be something to do with our agency. We haven't decided yet. Either free tickets to one of our courses or we'll produce your podcast for three months or something like that. So everyone who tunes in and listens to our launch episode, and it has to be within the first 24 hours. So we can get a big spike of downloads, hopefully get back into the charts. We got into the new and noteworthy when we first launched, which was quite a success, but we only had a couple of hundred downloads. If you're clever about the way you market when you launch and then relaunching often, then you can kind of, without much budget, get yourself up into the charts. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I'm stealing your guys' brilliant word. We need to use that more here in the States. Because we have like an advanced reader team. Well, actually, that's where we stole it from. I used to work with authors and we kind of launched Mm -hmm. books and we would take, they call it an advanced reader team. It's an advanced listener team, but it's that same thing. And we usually would just source it from networks, families, friends. But I love the idea of using things like LinkedIn polls. You can do similar things on Instagram, any of those places where you can get people to kind of raise their hand and then you can follow up and kind of send them the link, I think is really brilliant. This has been fun. And I know I had you stay late and and hang out at the studio to have this conversation. So I appreciate you making that happen. You guys have a show and it's a podcast for podcasting. It's funny when I always tell people like, oh, you have a podcast? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's a podcast about podcasting. And they're like, oh, okay. But I think you have something similar. What's the show about? What do you guys talk about? I know you mentioned some of the topics, but I'd love for you to kind of share what someone might be able to gain from listening. Yeah, yeah, cheers. First of all, the name of it is The Podcasters Podcast. So <laughs> fits well into that kind of what you were just saying. It's currently, we're doing super kind of short episodes doing deep dives on specific topics. So the one that went live this Tuesday was on the length of a podcast, should your podcast be shorter. So we'll go, rather than doing very kind of broad topics, we'll go really specific. It will be me and Kane, who's one of my colleagues for the most part, going really specific on some sort of topic. And when we relaunch in and around November time, I'm not sure exactly when this will be coming out, but towards the end of November, we'll be relaunching and doing it twice weekly because they're short episodes. But yeah, we upload weekly at the moment, super short episodes, five to 10 minutes long on 
hyper-specific topics within podcasting. And like I said, we have access to a video team. So I've got interviews with our TikTok experts, YouTube experts. I'm going to be doing one of our main audio producers soon as well. But yeah, it's lots of little tips and tricks. Can you give us some thoughts on the ideal length of a podcast? So... I am an advocate for slightly shorter length. I mean, we're doing really short stuff, but we find that with an interview episode, it's important for it to be a similar length every time. But one thing I will say is it's not never worth cutting it short, but you don't want to force something to get to a certain length by dragging it out. Just let the conversation flow and then you can always cut it down. It's important to see it as that time that someone's spending listening to your episode, they could be doing absolutely anything. So if they've given you that time, make it worth it. Make sure every minute of your podcast is worth listening to. Not, yeah, skip to this bit, this bit's good. You're borrowing or you're stealing their time. Make it worth their time. And then with solo stuff, we found, can't remember exactly where the statistic came from, but I was told that I think 15 minutes is the maximum time any person can listen to one specific listener without kind of zoning out. So if you're talking solo stuff, keep it sharp. Keep talking interview stuff. Let it go for as long as it does, but cut out the crap. So yeah, I'd say 45 minutes would be a good length for an interview, but it could also vary. And then 15 minutes for solo content. That's probably where my guess would be. Those are some really good guidelines and something that I've generally fallen in line with too. We found that once you get above kind of an hour, hour and a half of content, people start to kind of fall behind. It gets a little challenging to, to you do You've got that. to look at the media that's out there now, like your TikTok and then YouTube's become super snappy. So not all podcast listeners are the same type of consumers, but when those guys are becoming podcast listeners, are they going to sit there and listen to an hour and a half of very slow content or are they going to want 15 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes of sharper, more straight to the point content? The way that media is going now, attention spans are so short. You've got to adapt. Like we were talking about earlier, adapting is vital, really. Yeah, you can't fight it. I think podcasts are a unique place where, you know, attention spans are still not 15 seconds, but you can't fight it and you have to be willing to adjust. Ashley, the company is Progressive Media. The show is the Podcasters Podcast. We connected on LinkedIn, so I'd encourage you definitely guys to go get connected on uh, with Ashley on LinkedIn because he's dropping some great stuff all the time. Is there anywhere else people should go and follow or... Those are the two main ones, really. LinkedIn, feel free to connect with me, interact with me, drop me a message. I'm always happy to chat with anyone about podcasts in this very collaborative space. And then the podcast, have a listen to the podcast. Let me know your thoughts. Leave us a review on there. Appreciate that, Hector. Yeah, I appreciate your time and what you're giving to the community. And like I said before, I always felt out of place. Well, I'm saying it's always. I felt out of place in the podcast industry. And I think it was because... I was not an artist. I'm more of a capitalist. And so I'm a marketer. And so when I see other people that kind of approach the medium with a a similar mindset, I get excited. So thanks to you and all the people. The UK is just putting out some amazing podcast people. We've got to catch up with you guys. You're a few years ahead of us in the podcast space. We're trying to catch up. I don't know, man. You guys are doing some great stuff. So we'll definitely try and have you on again. And congrats on the relaunch. The rest of you guys, thanks for sticking with us. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.